Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Core Leadership Podcast, a voice to college men at the crossroads of faith and campus life. My name is Kaysen Asher, and I'm the Director of Communications for Beta Upsilon Chi. I might sound a little bit different right now than I usually do. That's because I'm not home in my studio in Texas. I'm actually on the road in Atlanta, Georgia, preparing for Bucks' second ever van tour. We're visiting 18 different chapters over the course of a month, and hopefully we'll make a stop at yours. Take a look at the schedule on our social media, but with that out of the way, here is your host, Gabe McKinney. Hey, everybody. I am here with a very special friend and a great leader. He's a part of the church, the Village Church, which is um, has multiple campus in the DFW area and different cities. He's a part of the Bucks Board and I'll let him do more of who he is and what he's doing, what he's up to. But very special guest, Jared Musgrove is with us. Jared, we'd love for you to say hey. All right. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land and you brothers here, Gabe, Kaysen, rest of the crew there at Bucks Nationals, all you brothers out there in uh, radio land. <laughs> yeah, we want to welcome everyone in for just a treat of a conversation with Musgrove. And Musgrove, we'd love for you to first, before we jump into things, share just who you are, what does a day in your life look like? What are you up to? Yeah. Uh, maybe even some of like the, where you come from in the Bucks world too. Yep. No. So um, I have been the group's pastor here at the Village Church. It'll be 10 years this month, actually. So a little anniversary there. And uh, I have been leading, I have been leading small groups in the local church or parachurch, Reed Bucks, for 18 years. Since I was um, my sophomore year, at OU. I'd just gotten through pledge ship, all of that. And there was no one to take charge of cell groups. And that's the thing that got me into Bucks. I was not going to join a fraternity. That was not on my radar. But my roommate said, hey, there's this Christian fraternity on campus. And they do, they do like these cell groups. And it's these guys and they, it's a smaller group and they do life together. And I went, I'm in. And I mean, that I still live in that moment. That's why I do what I do. So this is this is my life's work is creating environments for Christians to experience Christ's community together. I love it. And now right after college at OU, did you directly go to small groups ministry at the village or did you jump around a little bit? Good question. So I graduated OU and went straight to working for Bucks Nationals. Was there for uh, nearly two years and I, I loved that job dearly. If any of you guys are out there listening right now, and you're wondering like, gosh, would that be a job I would enjoy? It really is. If you love Bucks, it really takes everything that you love about our fraternity and just expands it. I dearly loved that time. And also it was great development for me just as a pastor and a leader, because I would drop into these different campuses every two weeks or so. And that grew me a lot as a leader, everything from learning how to navigate a college town. We didn't have iPhones then, so I had to use the old Mapsco. Amen. Uh, <laughs> so that, that's leadership lessons right there. Down to like, you know, just sitting with men and really having an hour, hour and a half to get down into what is Jesus doing in your life? How is he leading through you? How can we lean into the spirit and how can I help? Did, to just ask a question a little bit more, and so did small group kind of passion, vision, excitement around that. Was that born a lot out of cell groups and bucks? Was there a fire before that? Or was it bucks kind of the place that got kindled? No, man, I did not grow up in a church that had a small group environment like we would think of. It really was not something that was on my radar. It really was the vision of cell groups and bucks 
and it just was immediately intuitive. It was as if someone put words to the thing I'd asked and prayed to God for, for most of my growing up years. And like I said, I still live in that moment. This is why I do what I do. Man, it's amazing to hear you just share a new excitement. I mean, everyone knows how important community is and you're sharing this excitement and passion around community and small, and even in the context of a small group, whether we call that a cell group or something different. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today because small groups and community in general is more needed. And I think there's a higher value placed on it than ever. And so Musgrove, I would love to hear your thoughts. What are you dreaming about or thinking about around small groups and community for college men? Yeah, I think that the small group movement was not this thing that started in the, in the 70s or so or with the megachurch. This has been around for 2000 years. Uh, if you look at even at looking at Christ, this was his plan of evangelism. This was his plan of disciple making was to call men into a smaller group to do community. And actually, I was talking with one of our directors here at Bucks today, and uh, we have a mutual interest just in, in human growth and development, uh, how God guides people through transformational leadership. And we were talking, science is just now kind of catching up where the Bible has always told us people transform, and that's within the context of a community of people. It's not just in the intellect, if you will. You know, I know enough about God, and so that will transform me. It really is through relationships, both relationship with God, and then that transforms your relationships with other people. And I think as we're talking about leaders, that is what makes you a transformational leader. Leadership is about relationship. And I don't know a, a better way to, to go after relationships than in smaller groups. They are messy. I love them for it. Even, even as I've just, uh, I mean, just to be candid with you and, and our uh, leaders here on the podcast, just as, as I have even had other opportunities in just other spheres, I can't get away from the messiness of pastoral ministry and particularly uh, the messiness that exists in small groups because out of that mess, God does amazing things through his spirit. I am constantly surprised. There, there is no day or week in my life that really is boring. And that's what life with God is like. So you get that going on and you get a bunch of people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are eternal souls who are sitting in a room together. We're going to spend eternity together with God. Um, he's called each of us, wired us and gifted us to do things for him, for this kingdom movement. And yet, we say our cell group or our small group is boring. I don't get that. So that's, that's the idea is that we have to clue into the fact that we need one another to grow in Christ. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. And I believe how we, how we develop leaders in the local church best. Groups are the crown jewel of leadership, discovery, development, and deployment in the local church and also in this fraternity. And I would believe with you that coming from that perspective, from the kingdom and from this almost a God mandate that we do life together is yes. bigger than me wanting cell group to go really well, just because I think cell groups going well is a good thing. It's like, no, there's a higher calling in what you just said. And if you're listening and you don't have that big scope of vision, I would encourage you to go back and listen again to Musgrove. And he'll explain more, I'm sure, just the kingdom perspective on what it means to be a part of community and be united, not to just each other, but to Jesus through that community. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Gabe. 
I, I'd uh, love to hear if you want to share anything on that more. Man, I'm just thinking, I know probably a lot of you who are listening have been in some sort of small group. A lot of us, a lot of you are alumni. So you've been a part of a cell group in Bucks. Uh, you may be part of a small group or some sort of smaller discipleship environment at your church. A lot of you are probably even leading them. Let me just tell you, it's the absolute hardest ministry because it's so unpredictable. It's so unknown. And right there is where your faith is tested the most. That's where you grow. You don't grow with easy. It, it, Jesus calls us to loss. And even stepping into a small group, there's a loss of comfort because you, you can't really, in a good small group, hide. And it's not a buffet. You really have to clue into what is God doing here and how can I get in on it? So community in that sense feels intuitive, but the press of community is, feels counterproductive to our comfort and our control. And that's right where God has us to kind of push us through uh, this, this liminal space to change because people want to change. We, each and every one of us knows something needs to change. We want, trans we want transformation, we want betterment, uh, maybe even self-help, but a lot of us will not go through the actual interpersonal rub with others because it's easier just to say, well, I changed my mind because I read this book, uh, listened to this podcast, or I went to this seminar, uh, or now, you know, I, I watched this online class and I thought about it and I wrote it down in my notebook and I closed my notebook and I put it on the shelf. And then I went and sat down on the couch next to uh, my roommate or my wife or my friend. And I didn't really share any of it, but I've changed my mind. That's not how transformation begins. Transformation begins when we're having a conversation about what is God telling you to do and how can I help? That's the magic of groups. Hmm. Before I even, I have questions I want to ask about, like even practically, how do we lead a group practically how do we be a participant in a group and lead in that participant role but before that yeah. i'd love for you to just to step step back and hear a little bit more about being a small groups pastor almost leading a lot of small groups small group leaders and even a movement what is that even looking like for you musgrove what does that look like practically what does that look like as a work and as as a leader yeah that's the thing i talk to a lot of small group people around the country and I think we, we would all say this is really hard work, but it's good work. I would say to all of you, whether you are uh, leading small groups, this is your job on staff, or maybe you're in one and you know uh, the small groups uh, guy or gal, encourage them. And those of you who are listening, be encouraged. This is not a stepping stone ministry. This is something to give your life to. This is where God can really affect transformation in other human beings. What it's like to be one is that I have found myself increasing in prayer every year of my life because I recognize that there's no amount of control I can bring that, that will cause transformation. What I do is agricultural. It is not industrial. It's like I can plant seed, I can water it, um, and I can pray like crazy, but God has to give the growth. That's small groups ministry. Um, that's cell group ministry. It's really any ministry, but especially when you're dealing with people, uh, you just cannot manipulate life transformation. God has to do that. I've heard you use, even as we've talked, the, the word and language of transformation. And I'd love to peel back a little bit about, man, what do you, what do you mean when you're saying transformation? I think it's a powerful, important word, but I'd love to hear Musk of where that's coming from. And, and yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm using that out of uh, the Bible. I'm thinking even Romans 12 is like, be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. So how that happens, how transformation happens in human beings is that we hear an idea or you hear Jesus preaching on the mount, if you will, in the big crowd. Or maybe you hear a sermon or a podcast or you're listening and you go, oh, wow, that's interesting. But to keep it uh, from just being an interesting thought to actually get it in your guts, it takes the community. You got, you got to, in a sense, take it from just the intellect. Like, I know what that says and I believe that's true or I don't believe that's true. And you've got to take it into how does this affect my life? First, my life with God, because life, uh, life with God is transformational. He is taking us from one degree of glory to the next, if you're following him. I mean, it, that, it's the constant adventure. So that's what I mean by, by transformation. And to, to get to do that with other people is the heart of a small group ministry, of cell group ministry. And then what you get to do is once all that transformation takes place, you get to be more effective for God. You, you get to be a conduit for his love for other people. I mean, I'll, I think again, would, would encourage you to go back and listen, because we, we, I think the power that Musgrove is doing in breaking down a word is it helps us not just use language and not understand why we're saying it, but we're saying, hey, we're pulling this from Jesus and scripture, and this is what transformation means. It doesn't mean become better. It doesn't mean what Instagram says it means. It means something rooted in Christ, and so I think that's just a good reminder and encouragement to us to say, like, man, what are what's the language you're using and, and what power does it hold and what do we actually mean when we say that? Yeah, um, that's true. Transformation is relationship. It is first relationship with the triune God, but then it's also relationship with one another. So the less relational your church is, the less transformational it's going to be. The le- Bucksman, the less relational your chapter is, your cell group is, the less transformational it's going to be. That's how God grows people. So I'd love to go into the maybe two even practical questions. One would be just what you say Musgrove to small group leaders. Like what are some of the top three to five things that you initially think when I have a small group leader in front of me, this is what I want them to know as a leader. Yes. So the first thing I want them to know is that groups are unpredictable. Lean into that. So if you're leading a small group in any environment, just recognize a large part of it is going to be unpredictable. That's what God, that's where God does great work. But you can take some steps in inviting people in. And here's one way you can make group predictable. Have group. How many of us have been, we're on the group text thread, right? And it just starts blowing up. Let's say groups at seven o'clock. It's probably 536 and it just starts blowing up. Everybody's, you know, peeling off, not coming to group that night. And then what do we often do as a leader? We often go, well, I guess no one really wants to be a part of group tonight. So we're just going to cancel. Don't do that. Part of making group predictable, part of building trust with one another in your group is saying, regardless of whether there are 13 of us tonight or three of us, we're having group because you know who's not texting in on that thread saying, I don't really have time for this tonight. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He's going to do work. And so we're going to lean into that and we're going to have group. That kind of predictability as a group leader builds trust. People know they can depend on you, on this group, because they may not be in crisis yet. But And we're seeing this right now, even in the, in the middle of, I don't know if we're in the middle of it, in the midst of the pandemic. When you need community, 
is the worst time to be looking for community. And so build up trust by making group predictable in the fact that you're going to meet and trust God to do some of the rest. I mean, yes, have a plan. Don't over-program. There's a lot of little tips and tricks and best practices, but I would say that's the best practice we skip over the most is we don't say group is important and we're going to have it. Just a lack of, it's tough to be committed. There's sometimes just a lack because it's hard. And I've even yes. heard just, hey, let's let's leave the light on. So when people show up, they know we're here and yep. we're not exactly. going anywhere. At least one of us, even if you're just the leader, at least you are the one who keeps the light on, even if it's just you. And that's hard and that's yep. lonely. But I think that's like honoring to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it's honoring to the people mm-hmm. around you. Amen. Any other, any other, maybe two or three principles you have, Musgrove, when you think of small group leader besides, hey, showing up and having group and trusting the Lord yes. in that? Every group has a life cycle. Just lean into that. Every group has a life cycle. You've kind of got that beginning where everyone's feeling each other out. It's that it's that invitation time, right? Where you're, you're sharing testimonies, those kinds of things. Then as the group tends to go on, you enter this, um, this time of uh, experience together. So first you, you get invited, it's very invitational. Then you begin to experience things together. You open the word together. Maybe you, you read the Bible together. You begin to see God work through his word, through one another. You experience some life together. You experience the, the regularity of meeting together. And then as the group goes on, this always happens, something hits. It could be a conflict. It could be a crisis. It could be a confession. And that's the moment that the group begins to integrate. That's where all of that uh, comes together. And we can do incredible personal one another ministry. It really begins to bond the group. And then even out of that, it makes the group able to to execute the mission of God. Because with those kinds of uh, foxhole experiences, you're just more bold together. And that, that can look a million different ways. There, there's so much diversity in how that can look. And so that can happen for a time. But then as with all groups, they do end. And that's okay. Just know that the end of your group depends upon the beginning of your group. So if you're having the first night at group, I would just walk your, walk your group through the fact that every group has a life cycle. We are going to lean into and ask God to work through uh, the life cycle of our group, however long that may be. All of you are invited to partake in that. We're going to ask God to give us a great experience together. We're going to ask him to to integrate us, both to knit our hearts together, to follow him together, to show us how he wants us in this group, in this time, in this place with these people and this community to execute the mission of God together. And then when it's time to end, it's probably going to come about in a sense that God's going to move some of you out. Some of you are going to go lead other groups. Some of you may move because of a job. Some, I may just tap out as a leader. I may say, guys, we are in a hard season and someone needs to step up and, and lead the group. It, it, there's all these different ways, but that life cycle of the group is so important to recognize as a leader and just lean into the ebb and the flow. I think a lot of guys bring expectations around how that small group will be or how long it will be. And it's helpful, I think, to address that there just is a life cycle. I don't even think I've had anyone ever do that with me and so, and I think it would be helpful just to say, Hey, here's perspective and in perspective, we can choose to lean in. And so thank, yeah, thank you for that. Well, there's that, but also 
growth in group requires people to give up their expectations. So even just as leaders, this isn't just a small group environment in the church. This is leading people. Growth requires people to give up their expectations. Know that if you are leading, you are calling people to loss. People don't resist change. People resist loss. And that's a very important distinction if you're leading a group or just a group of people. You mentioned this while you were sharing, but there are these moments of depth, whether that's confession, whether mm-hmm. that's crisis, whether that's even could be celebration. Yes, and it could. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. I want to, is there a proper way or a trained way or a way you teach small group leaders to respond or small groups to respond in those different moments? I think a lot of us have run into the small group moment mm-hmm. where someone is confessing something very difficult Or someone's sharing something and we don't know how to enter into the hurt. And we often will sit in silence and say, I will pray for that. And then it's a little bit awkward and it doesn't feel like a gospel centered communal response that, you know, it feels, it feels like we're missing it. So I'd love to hear you speak. Is there a proper way to respond to that? Yeah. Uh, Yes. So in, in this scenario, I'll just use a general scenario. Let's say that we've got our groups curriculum, you know, we are walking through I'll use this. This is a real life situation from one of our groups a couple of years ago. We had a group walking through the book of Deuteronomy. This is a very advanced small group. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say I've been there yet. But they get to they get to a part in Deuteronomy where it talks about you've brought hidden sin into the camp and God sees it and everybody's suffering because of it. That night, three couples, because of that word of God just read out loud, they hadn't gotten to the study yet confessed affairs. Now, that's crisis. That's confession. You know what the wrong thing to do in that moment is? Just go, oh man, I'm sorry, guys. We'll pray for that. On with the study. No, the Spirit's doing work there. So lean in. Prepare the group for that and say, guys, there'll be a moment where it's going to feel weird and awkward. At that time, we're going to purpose in our hearts to all lean in, maybe even do it physically and to ask a question or to ask, where's Jesus in what you're telling me right now? How can we pray for you? What is God telling you to do? How can we be an encouragement to you? How can we help? Those are general, general things, but that would be part of setting up expectations at the beginning of the group to say, this is, this is not just the leader's group. This is your group. We are doing ministry one to another. So you're going to be a part of those moments. That moment might come for you. And so in that moment, I think that it is completely appropriate to, yes, stop and pray, but maybe not stay in your seats. Get up and gather around the person. That's so, physical interaction is so important to us. Gather around that person. Ask if it's okay. And I know with COVID, it, it's kind of, it's weird this way, but ask if it's okay to put a hand on a shoulder. Just physical touch, physical presence. The laying on of hands is so important in those moments. That is how I would initially coach that, but everybody knows that can go uh, so many different ways. Yeah. And it's a awareness of probably God's spirit moving in that area and room in our hearts. And I think it's a general principle to not fear moving towards hard things Mm -hmm. and to not take the path of sitting there quietly and being, it is a active movement towards a person in love and not feeling the need to offer advice or fix, but Mm -hmm. offering Jesus and pointing back and prayer and comfort. And maybe just like you said, even literally moving towards them for just physical comfort. And so, I mean, that, that that's how priesthood of the believer 
happens. And that, that changes people's lives. We change by relationship. And that's the Holy Spirit of God dropping into that group right there and doing work. Let's be responsive to him. See what he wants to do. Be careful going through Deuteronomy. And yes. if any cell group chooses to do that, let that's us know. Um, I'd also love to hear on the other side, away from small group leader, we have small group participants that probably outnumber small group leaders. But I would say oh, yeah. that even that yeah. language, there's a leader and participants. I would say every person in that small group has leadership because they influence that group. And so would love for you to, to hear from you, Musgrove, what even you would say to a participant. How do I be a good participant of community? How do I show up even if I'm not the title leader? Yep. Uh, funny you should say showing up. So I was thinking through this just the other night because uh, Saturday night we got invited to uh, a backyard kind of prayer and worship service. We were going to we we're going to sing. We we're going to do some prayer, all socially distanced, you know, of course. And as we were driving there, I realized, oh, we're going to be quite a bit early. And I went, oh, I'm a small group member again. Small group members. One way you can help is be on time, but don't be too early. <laughs> and be available to, to stay later, but not too late. Just recognize that your your leader, your host, I mean, there, there are real things that are going on there. In, in my life and leadership, you want to show up on time, but not so early that they haven't had time to get all the laundry into the master bedroom just yet, or maybe the kids' room. So, that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a practical that you can do. But also, as a small group member, you be praying and asking, too. One thing I, I encourage our, our small group members, our home group members here at the Village, is those 59 one another commands of the New Testament, and we give it to them on a list. This is part of us group orientation here. We orient not just the leader, but also the member, because we believe that this is your group. So taking that ownership and even just saying, even before the group begins, I'm going to start praying these passages over my group, that we would love one another, that we'd bear with one another, that we wouldn't judge one another, uh, that we would encourage confess. I mean, you can, you can Google 59 one another's. There's your prayer list for the group. If you as a group member do that, that's incredibly powerful. Um, spiritual warfare, but also uh, quite practical for your group as well. You can participate. When your leader asks a question, share, ask others. If you as a group member notice someone who, who is not dialed in or who hasn't answered, or who never answers, Invite them in too. like help your leader in that way, kind of gauge the room. Your leader may be leading or talking or listening to someone else. And you may notice someone else in the group is really emotionally affected by something. Hone in on that as a group member. And then when you have an opportunity, just say, hey, I noticed that really affected you. Would you want to share? Is there a way we could pray for you? You see how this consideration of one another really begins to knit the group together. Because as the people of God, God uses us to help one another feel seen by him. When you acknowledge another person's presence and participation in the group, it changes uh, the nature of the group and it feels much more uh, like one another. So those are, those are some tips there as well. But uh, yeah, how long you want to go on that one? That's, we could go <laughs> a long time. That's great. Yeah. I think that's both practical and higher level vision for both of those things. I love sure. the idea of Hey, what scripture can I pray over both my members yes. and leaders? And also the thought, 
how do I orient or set up expectations and vision for members and participants and not just yep. leaders as a Bucks right. chaplain, cell group leader, any of that, how do you, how does that happen? And I think that's just, we don't have to answer that. They just get to think of that and walk in that uh, yep. even outside right. of Bucks as well. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear, this is even a very detailed, even practical question of a number in a, so in a small group too. If you've seen, how do I manage a number of, three, four, up to maybe even 10. Yeah. Is there different ways to manage different numbers? Should we be aiming for a certain number in a small group? You know, that's really interesting. There's a um, there's new research out about small group dynamics. And uh, we always we always used to say that, you know, 12 is the magic number. Jesus had 12, so that, that must be the number. They're actually saying right now, and the research is bearing out, the groups that would say we grew the most together are just a few notches above 12, like think in the 16 range, or smaller than that, around six or eight. That's interesting. That goes against a lot of things we've just assumed for a while. Yeah. Um, but to see that research tells me that there, there are some dynamics there. In a, in a smaller group of, say, uh, six or eight, there's just less opportunity to, to hide or get lost. And so everybody tends to lean in and be a little more engaged there. When it's a larger group, say, say maybe more on the 16 side, I can see where that's helpful because then it probably begins to break down uh, a little bit. I know in our groups that are a bit, a bit larger, you know, around that size, their men's and women's groups, when they do gender specific nights, tend to go really well at that point, which if you think about what just happened is you just got two groups of eight right there. And so that bears out to be a really good number for us being able to have enough time to talk to one another, having enough time to, to listen, to pray, uh, to create space for us to engage with each other. And so that, those are the, that's the new research as of this year. I'm still kind of leaning into what that means. Wow. Um, that's fresh. I, isn't, that, isn't that interesting? I, I think, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting, even on a cell group level. Like what, what does that have for us? I still think there's a fight to not let things grow huge if you can't manage that. But think, I think the bigger challenge is how are you leading there? Is it working? Are people, are you getting feedback and hearing if it's working or not? Um, and not just yes. sticking to one specific little structure of this is how it must function right. to go well. And I think right. what I'm hearing you talk about a lot as we, as answering these questions, you're pushing on this pain point of man, we're not just individually like get saved and then just worship God by ourselves and go do things. There's this constant push onto yes. a a one another, a togetherness, a community, a group, like looking around with each other. There's this experience of God we get with each other. So mm -hmm. I would love Musgrove for you to speak more on that. What a college person needs to hear around that. If I feel like I've even seen people who get frustrated when other people disrupt their time with God, how do we welcome in this new idea mm. to be in community and having, having experienced God through community and not just like just me and God here? Yeah. I think that if you are spending time with God, one of the fruits of that should be, there should be a fruit of the spirit. You know, it's not fruits of the spirit, it's fruit. So all those seven or eight things go together. One of them is patience. We need to be patient with one another, but we also need to be humble. And in humility, I can admit that there are things I don't know that humility can lead to a curiosity. And that makes me a better listener to my brothers and sisters. So 
ask God to make you curious about what he's doing in someone else's life. I, we're just leaders here, so I'll say it. I go to a lot of meetings and coffees where I don't know what's going to happen. I take a lot of phone calls. I have no idea who this person is. I just know they want to talk to a pastor or they, they have concerns or someone told me to reach out to you. We need to talk, those kinds of things, you know. I walk into those just very prayerful, and I just say, Lord, what do you want to do here? So if you're having lunch together, if you're going to, to group together, if you're, if you're with your roommates, your, your family, whatever it is, I mean, even with my sons the other night, I was just looking at them and just learning to ask, hey, Lord, what are you doing in their life? And I'm just curious because I know your work. Here's the great thing. God is always doing a million things on your behalf, in your life, you're aware of about two of them, but they probably involve someone else. And that's what's amazing. So stay curious, and it actually makes you a more caring believer. Mm. My thoughts. Yeah. No, I'm sitting with them. I'm taking a moment just to, to sit with them and digest them in a way. How, mm. I even, even scanning my life of like, man, where do I ask that question more? And why haven't I asked that more? Yeah. And that, that meant that's something I've been learning a lot just as a son before God is I have spent a lot of time telling God um, things he knows <laughs> or things that I think he should know or the way I think he should do it. Instead of saying, Lord, how do you want me to pray right now? This is on how do you want me to pray for this person? And really leaving it open. It's like, I think I know how I need to pray. No, I want to hear how you want me to pray. And I listen and like, so what are you doing in this person's life? Lord, what are you doing in this situation? I want to get on board with that. I want to get in on what you are doing. And that, that has changed a lot of how uh, even just my, my friendship with Jesus um, has become a lot more listening. Um, he's speaking. And we just, we often don't put ourselves in a place to listen. Complete change of posture that's difficult to take on. I'd even love to hear how do you keep that posture starting in the morning and throughout your day, Musgrove? How does that, how do you keep, say, grounded in a posture of listening? Because I feel like it's really easy to maybe do it in this moment and then you lose it and you lose it and you lose it. And then, man, so, so be careful what you ask God for. It's like, Lord, I want more time with you. I will just share with you and our few friends who are, who are listening in here just vulnerably as I ask God, would you give me more time with you? I have found that he, he wakes me up more naturally or I wake up before the alarm. Now, I think for a lot of us, that just means phone time, right? Yeah. Check the weather, and maybe get a start on the day or whatever. I've learned to just go, okay, I don't have to get up yet. I can be with him. Like in a sense, face to face. And this is, this is where everything I know of God, um, of Jesus, of the Spirit's leadership, everything I know of him from the Bible, because I'm, because I'm just getting saturated in that, that's where that comes into play. And that's where relationship begins to happen. It changes my day. It changes the meetings I go into. It changes the way I lead teams and groups. So I would say, ask, and then capture those moments. If you've got, if you've got five minutes in between meetings, just to sit quietly in your office or on the couch, uh, that's how you can capture those things. There's even We've been using this with some of our members. Uh, John Eldridge has the Pause app. Are you, yeah, you're aware of that. It's a fantastic way to just remind yourself 
to slow down for communion with God. It'll change your day. It'll change someone else's day too. God working through you. I've been using that app and trying to do it twice a day, failing for sure, but I've found these sweet moments to, yeah, just pause. Even when I'm not using the app to remember, like you said before meeting, ideally I can pause for, what is it? One to 10 minutes and just say, all right, Lord, lead me, lead this meeting. May your spirit be here. And there's just a different level that I realize my illusion of control is an illusion and it's good to trust the God who is in control. And so I just agree. Even even in the car, the decision, I'm not going to turn on the radio. I'm just going to be quiet. Such a gift. We, God gives us time with him. We just often choose not to recognize it or, or take advantage of it, but he wants to meet with you. He thinks that you are incredible. He is interested in what's going on in your life. It's, it's wonderful to lean into that relationship and it will change your relationships with everybody else. It's making guys uncomfortable thinking about the idea of getting in their car and not having any noise. And I, there's, there's uncomfortability there, even thinking yes. about it. Yes, try it, try it. I mean, even if you can just say, say out loud, I don't care if it's uncomfortable or not. Hey guys, Christianity's weird. Okay. So let's lean into that. Get in the car. Don't turn the radio on and just say, Lord, I'm listening to you. You may get frustrated. It may feel awkward. You may not hear anything. You might just even just start with a pause app or just listening to scripture, something along those lines. But these are moments that God gives us. And those moments are for our relationship with him. And they are meant to inform our relationship with others. They lead to transformation for you and for everybody else in your sphere. That's the mission of God moving through you. Well, I had a few final questions around small groups and then maybe a few more for you just as a leader. So I'll get to the small group questions first. What would you say are some of college guys or just people in general biggest misconceptions around a small group? Yeah. Uh, the, the first one is, is that, and this is telling because this is, this is what we all want, but everyone tends to think sometimes I'm going to find my lifelong best friends in this small group. And I want you to, I just can't promise that you will because friends are, friends are hard. Human relationships are, are difficult. And so I, I want to always talk through those expectations. If you're joining a group, I can't promise you that you will find those deep, intimate friendships. Although I will encourage you, we've all found our our closest people in wider circles. So there's always the opportunity. But what I can promise you is that if you're in a small group in a church or maybe in a parachurch like Bucks, that's going to get a lot smaller. You're going to get on a first name basis with some people you were not on a first name basis with before. That's a big win. That is movement into knowing one another, you may find some, some close friendships. Uh, we, we, under, we undervalue Christian friendship many times because we think, well, they're not interested in the same things I'm in, or um, th- this isn't quite the idea of a friend I had. You forget the fact that you have the greatest thing in the cosmos in common. You follow the, the master of the universe. Both of you have had your lives radically transformed by him. And this person in your group has the same Holy Spirit of God living in them that you have living in you. And in that we have unity. So that, that's Christian friendship is you remind me of Christ. And it's my role in your life to remind you 
of Christ as well. So that can lead to uh, an intimate friendship, maybe a foxhole experience. I, I'll say this, most of my best friends, my closest friends, I was not looking for them. God gives you who you have, right? But he can do it through small groups. Those would be my thoughts. I just, I want to reorient your imagination past what can this group do for me? What is God doing in the group? What does God want to do through you in the group would be how I'd want to come at that. And I'd highly recommend to dig into this subject a lot where I've found a lot of help and revelation is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. The first two yeah. chapters, I think, blow up a lot of our expectations around groups when, when we show up and want it to go away a certain way and it should look this way. Then we realize it's yeah. not. And he has a just incredible calling of what a group can be, what community with other people looks like, though messy, why we still show up, why we continue coming back. Yes. And Musgrove, I would, I would ask you what you would say to the guy who is showing up to group and is saying like, man, this had a really great value and promise, but I feel like it's not delivering or I'm getting tired of showing up or this is getting hard and the commitment to it maybe isn't feeling worth it. Just what would you say to someone who's maybe just discouraged or having a hard time yeah. continuing committing to their community? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is that maybe you're right. I mean, there there are there are really real factors that can that can make group difficult. I mean, night and time is important. I always push back on that and I'm saying, hey, if something's important, you make the time. And so as much as you can, have you tried to make the time work? Have you have you tried to lean in? Have you approached the group in a posture of how can I serve these fellow believers in the group? Like it's, it's look at it as mission. That'll, that'll change a lot of the perspective instead of I'm just not getting anything out of group. We use that language a lot. But rather, what am I contributing to the group? Um, not just sitting back and kind of waiting for the, the buffet of friendship, but am I contributing to the group? And, and then sometimes the answer could be I could, I could pray uh, some more for my group members. I could participate in a discussion. Maybe I could ask my leader if there's anything I could help with, I mean, there, there's things to do before deciding to, to step out of group. Though I'm, I wouldn't say that that's always the wrong thing to do. That just becomes a, that becomes a, a coaching moment uh, with you and maybe a, you know, your small groups pastor or cell group leader, maybe someone else in the group. Don't make these decisions individualistically. We do that all the time. Oh, we just decided to stop group. Well, when did you decide that? But well, it was 1030 and we were really tired and we were frustrated about everything else in life. Something's got to go. Group goes. No, don't make these decisions in isolation. Make these decisions in community. That's the gift God has given you. Yeah. And I think you're mentioning just looking at the group honestly and then looking at yourself honestly right. and asking good questions of yourself in the group. Is this group true? Is there a leadership issue? Is there an issue of expectation? Is there an issue on me? Not showing up and having a posture of service and then bringing the, those questions to someone else is, is simple. Right. It's simple yet difficult. It's not complex to have to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the hardest challenges, and I know you know, leading a small group is staying whole and healthy yourself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not carrying the burden of, of leadership, but balancing the burden and the blessing. And so I'd love to hear even maybe Musgrove, what you say to small group leaders on how the, how they can stay healthy and whole in Christ as they lead, but even you personally, leading in ministry, leading small groups, being a place where probably there's some lonely moments. How have you personally stayed whole and healthy through years and years of small group leadership? Yeah, uh, one of the gifts of God to me 
is a, a close friend and brother, actually a colleague, my, my partner in ministry here, challenged me about two years ago. We were in a car driving to a conference and we're sharing and, and he just, so this is, this is the moment and I had to lean into it. He took the step of saying to me, hey, it feels like there's parts of yourself that you kind of feel like you have to hold back and you don't have to. And in that moment, I realized he's right. So I had an opportunity there. I can lean into the pain of that and recognize that I have, I have been keeping part of myself back because I'm the leader. Or I can lean into it and say, here was an invitation to actually step into sharing more personally. There's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. A lot of times as group members, we feel like we're transparent. I gave you enough information or I shared, you know, I shared 90% of what was going on. The point of vulnerability though, and where we really grow is that what's the 10% you're holding back? We give ourselves a pass on this as leaders all the time. And I'm grateful for uh, that conversation in that car changed the latter part of my 30s because I began to live in a different way. And I just needed a brother to lovingly call me out of it. So as a leader, don't buy the lie that you've got to have it together. Share where you struggle with the Lord. Share where you struggle, where you doubt, where you fear. This is, this is part of being human. You are a human being as a leader and you need God. That means that you don't have to bear everything for your group. I run into that all the time. I, I daily probably have to five times a day at least just almost imagine this weight on my back of this major group's ministry, thousands of people for whom we're responsible for. And uh, I have more responsibility than I have authority. I cannot make somebody spiritually develop. I cannot make them grow in Christ. And I just have to say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. And at that point, I sit down, I look at our leader list, and I pray for a couple of leaders, and I ask God to do great things in them. And I might even write them a note and let them know. I, do, I was doing a couple of those before, uh, before I signed on to this call. It's like, hey, the Lord sees you. I'm praying for you. It can change your day. It has mine. And so as leaders, encourage one another that way. And if you're a group member, encourage your leader. Let them know they're not alone and they don't have to be. Man, it's, it's super fun to hear. Yeah, just someone who's been doing this a long time, just to share. Even, you know, some people are like, man, I'm just right now is when God's going to do the most through me and they're dreaming and they think later in life dreams get less and less. So we become, and you're sharing in your 30s that you're still having these incredible moments that God's speaking and just totally redirecting your life and saying, hey, I'm going to call you into a deeper place and a deeper mm -hmm. well that you thought mm -hmm. maybe you didn't even know about. And I'm opening a blind spot for you, which is yes. so, I mean, exciting, yes. assuring to think that God is going to like continue to do work on me for my whole life and not just for my time in college mm. or anything else. Oh, it's so great. You know, I mean, there, there's, there may be some alumni uh, or other leaders listening to this or in their thirties or forties. And, you know, the old, the old joke is that, you know, you just can't have deep friendships in your thirties. I have actually found that the deepest well of friendship uh, with others in this time in my life. And like you said, Gabe, I just can't imagine how the Lord's going to deepen that, but he's going to. And it really has come through just increasing, listening to him, and then also taking others up on the invitation and inviting others into friendship. It's always a risk, but we don't grow or transform without risk. 
Well, let me take a step away from the small group conversation and even just take that away and, and hear what you, maybe you're just heart for college men right now mm-hmm. in their time where they're at in places where there's online class. I have so much time and responsibility. I don't know what to do. I just love to hear what is your heart for those guys right now? What are you praying for them? What are you hoping for them? You know, I was praying, I was praying for uh, our guys who are in cell groups and in bucks right now, just before we signed on. And the thing that I would, that I would love to happen more is I would love to them to encourage each other and build each other up more. So here's an idea. This is my prayer. And here's a practical idea for all of you. Maybe you can do it in your adult cell group too, if you're an alum or you're another leader listening to this. If your group's been together for any amount of time, say, I don't know, anywhere from four, four to six months, you know, could be a minimum, but we spent some time together. We're going to lay aside whatever we're studying, kind of working on right now. And we are just going to ask God to give us encouragement for one another. So if we're sitting here and Gabe, you're in my group and we're sitting around group, I'm just going to say for the next few weeks, we are going to create space to speak encouragement into one another, because it doesn't matter if you're in college right now, or if you're an adult, that's just something each of us needs. We need another human being uh, to look at us and say, the Lord sees you and here's how he works through you. So next week group, we're going to encourage Gabe before we get together next week, everybody just pray. Ask God, do you, do you have any uh, words for me to give Gabe? Maybe even just passages of scripture that the Lord brings to mind or that remind me of Gabe. Are there ways that Gabe has affected my life that I need to tell him? Or maybe I've told others and I hadn't told him, or, or I'm just realizing how much I, I think about how he would do this in this situation. And it makes me think more about Jesus. So we're all coming back together in group next week. And we are just going to go around and we're going to look you in the eye and we're going to tell you, this is how I see God working in you. It is powerful. It is personal. And man, it is encouraging and encouraged Christians are very bold with the gospel. That'd be my hope for our men is that they would take time to encourage one another and build each other up. And if that scares you or feels weird or different, you've never had, you've never done that or had that done for you. I would say a, a phrase I think Musgrove used throughout this podcast is to lean in, to just go for it and see what happens, to be faithful, to do it, say, hey, I'm going to push through the awkwardness and the weirdness that initially comes with some new things. And I'm going to say, well, see what Jesus can do if you just go for it and, and follow a promise of God, follow a promise that says, hey, let's encourage one another. Let's just do it. Maybe we imperfectly do it, but there's probably something good at the other end if we're willing to lean in and stay there. Yeah. Worst thing that can happen is someone might read a Bible verse and pray over you. Dang it. That'd be the worst. Look out. (laughs) Be careful. Another just more general question would be, what would you go back to your 20 year old self and tell yourself in college? You think life with God is an adventure now? Just you wait. Just you wait. You think you feel close to him now? And I did in college. I mean, man, I... I felt like, uh, and, and I don't know if this is true. I think I actually don't know that this is true currently because so much is missing from the college experience. But if you think life is an adventure with God now, just you wait. And I would say that to the brothers now who are having to do virtual cell groups, virtual learning. God has not forgotten you. He is so mindful of you and he has incredible adventures for you laid out. Will you just ask him? 
what you need to be doing? Will you lean in and get to know him and the way he's testified to himself and his word? And just the Bible is a pre-modern book. I want to live more like that. That's what I would say. Jared, don't give up on that. There's a reason you feel drawn to these stories. God's doing work through them and the adventure has just begun. Yeah. Also, what I would tell that, Jared, is that often growth with God means that he will, he will remove or take away the things that you think make you important hmm. to show you that he is the one who matters. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you, Musgrove, for sharing that and sharing just your life and some of your journey. I didn't know if there were any final words that you would like to share around just small groups or even around just the value of bucks and cell group or even point to any resources and things we can follow up on to be like, Hey, this would be really helpful if you want to, if you want to think more through this. Yeah. Well, you guys have had enough words from me, but I, I will say my life was forever changed by God through this fraternity, through, through this, uh, this brotherhood. In fact, like I told you, I'm still living in it and I just am trying to pass on the gift. The Lord's given me a, a role in which I can live that mission. Some resources would be, Gabe, you mentioned Life Together uh, would be, uh, that's the seminal small group book right there. We mentioned the Pause app that John Eldridge puts out. I'd also just say a subscription to Dwell, which is a Bible reading app, is worth every penny. I, I buy that for my small group leaders. Um, a yearly subscription for each of them to just be immersed in the Word of God. It's been an auditory experience for most of history. It's meant to be heard and read over you. So that's a that's a fantastic way to just practice uh, time with God, and that's going to build you up as a leader, and also it's maybe something you can give someone else. Another great resource, we mentioned it already, is uh, Leading Small Groups That Thrive, brand new book out, probably the best small groups book in the last eight to 10 years. It's by uh, Dr. Courtney Davis and some friends. There are about 20 of us who have contributed to that work. So it's a book about community written in community. Uh, I really couldn't recommend that to you enough. If you're in a small group, a small group leader, or any kind of groups pastor, the, the relational communication stuff that's in that book is really lights out. We'll have all those resources in the podcast notes. And so you can follow up on those. We'll even have hyperlinks. So you can click on it and maybe find a book on Amazon, whatever we need to do there. We'll make it easy for you to get to. I want to say it's really encouraging to talk to you, Musgrove, to know that there's men like you in the local church doing this hard work of how do we do small groups? What does that look like? And I think it's a work that's almost overlooked a lot and not seen and known about, but just growing and growing. And it's where just like you've said, so much life transformation happens in the place of community in general, but really in the place of a community where we're known and typically a smaller group and not just in big giant groups. And so just want to say encouraged always and thankful for you. I know you're in personal encouragement to me as I try to lead men and bucks and yeah, anyone who gets a chance to, to, if you, to go, I mean, I think this is a good final encouragement. Like there's, I'm sure there's Musgroves at local churches around you. So don't be scared to go reach out to in local churches and meet with men and ask, mm -hmm. Hey, how do we, can we do small groups better? If you're part of a small group there, Hey, what's the vision here? Hey, how can, I help lead small groups in my fraternity. How can our fraternity help you? I think there's just a lot of togetherness and more about God being with us and not just me. There's a lot more us and so not being scared to lean into to that us. Um, oh, thank you, Gabe. Uh, just, you guys have been really kind to host me today and um, get to share with the brothers. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Great. Well, thanks, Musgrove. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Core Leadership Podcast. It's Jared Musgrove from the Village Church, small groups pastor, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Core Leadership Podcast. I want to take this last moment, as always, to talk a little bit about Bucks and who we are. We are a lifelong brotherhood of committed Christian men seeking the bonds of brotherhood and unity in Christ through the avenue of a social fraternity on a college campus. Our founding verse is Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. You can find out more about Bucks, information on joining, founding a chapter on your campus, or donate at byx.org. You can keep up with us on social media at Beta Upsilon Chi on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and we'll see you in two weeks.